Hey, everybody. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Tuesday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Andy, LeBron James has worked very hard for the last few years to try to convince people he's not the general manager of the teams that he plays for. A report in The Athletic on Monday indicates he might need to try a little bit harder. Um, we'll talk about that as well as more evidence as to what the Lakers starting lineup could look like. Some good news for people who want to see Anthony Davis at the five. That's all coming up next. You are Locked On Lakers, your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Want to thank everybody for joining us today. Hopefully you can do that every day throughout the Lakers season, which Andy is starting today with Media Day. We will be here five days a week, um, you know, talking Lakers every single day. Um, I know. So it's really cool, man. It's been it felt like a long, long build up to where we are right now. There's been so much to think about. And now we are actually uh, being put in front of the people that we've been talking about for the last three months. All right. So uh, we'll make sure to give ev- all the, the big information, all the, 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 the fun stuff that comes out of media day and practice for the rest of the week. We'll be talking about it. Um, but for today, Andy, um, a really in-depth, heavily reported piece from the athletic Bill Orem, Sham Sharania and um, uh, Sam Amick all out there. And putting out some some stuff that really breaks down what's been going on with the Lakers this offseason and lots to kind of unpack there. We're going to get to LeBron James, who obviously was a major, major catalyst for everything that the Lakers did, bringing in Russell Westbrook. But, Andy, I think we got to start with the lineups because um, this is something that we've been tracking throughout the offseason and definitive reporting here from these three guys talking about who um, theoretically is going to be in the starting lineup. And it looks like Anthony Davis, uh, according to the report, quote, with Westbrook aboard, sources say that said that Davis has emerged as the expected starting center, clearing the way for a likely starting five of him, Westbrook, Ellington, Wayne Ellington, Trevor Reza, and LeBron, according to sources. Third-year guard Taylor Horton Tucker, a rising young talent for the Lakers, is also expected to compete in camp for a possible starting role. Um, let's do the other parts of that. Second, the THT, Ellington, Ariza thing, and just get back to expected starting center, Anthony Davis. Look, man, this is expected, Andy. This is welcome news. This is what a lot of people, including myself, have really been hoping to see. And, you know, ever since we heard uh, the report from Brad Turner from the LA Times, really, really entrenched Lakers reporter, about the sit-down between LeBron, AD, and Russ, and the different sacrifices they were all going to have to make in order to team up together. And one of them included Anthony Davis playing more at center, despite that not being what he prefers to do, all things being equal. It has felt like there have been signs of this this leading uh, in this direction. Certainly the roster construction on a Russell Westbrook team with those other guys would facilitate what well, we're talking about. A lot could, of those things like could, 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 but could and will are two different things. And as I keep saying, I will need to see it in order to believe it. But not there. You're not there with expected starting lineup from three of the best writers out there in NBA media. It's if still they not knew enough. for If they knew for sure, they would have said it's the starting lineup. That's true. 
It's what they expect. Just Brian, these are three really entrenched guys who are all saying, I can't give you anything more than our collective expectations. What does that right. mean, Brian? Based on sources. Sources, yeah. Andy. So who aren't us. Right. Who, those sources. Those sources, deeply entrenched as they are with the Lakers, have nothing more than their own expectations either. At Nobody very, knows a damn thing, Brian. At the very least, um, it, it you know, if you, if whether you're somebody who really wants him to start there or just more concerned about it, he's obviously going to finish games. The Lakers are going to go with most of the time with that small yes. finishing lineup with AD. Like that part is known. Um, I, and you know, when people ask why does it matter, one of my big responses is, well, theoretically, if you play more effective lineups throughout the game, you don't need the closing lineup quite as often for the Lakers to be able to sit down their guys mm-hmm. in fourth quarters over the course of this year. Plus, Andy, for most of these guys, they're going to want to... Matlock is on at 10. (laughs) They're going to need to get home. 10 (laughs) a.m.? I don't know. know. What time are Matlock reruns? That's an age I don't know, but... I'm calling them old. Old people aren't awake at 10, man. They go to to bed at 7.30, then they wake up at 2, and they stay (laughs) up from 2 in the morning. Until dinner at, at like, 3.30. Exactly. Then they go back to bed. Um... And then it's it's time to, to time to turn down. Uh, yeah. But anyway, take out it, their teeth and call it a night. It's um, it's one of these deals where it, you know, obviously the more effectively the Lakers can play over the course of a game, it it hopefully will take some of the onus away from needing to dominate in fourth quarters. Um, it also unlocks, and that gets to the next part of this uh, report. It unlocks different, and I think better, and I think you would agree, better potential lineups than ones that include either DeAndre Jordan, likely DeAndre Jordan, um, because I think Dwight Howard have to be the second unit center def- for defensive purposes. But anyway, like that's where you can start playing around with Wayne Ellington as you're starting to next to um, you know Trevor Reza and LeBron James, or perhaps you prefer Kent Bazemore, or perhaps you prefer THT with those guys, or like however you do it, all of that gets unlocked if Anthony Davis is playing center, it does not if he's playing power forward. Yeah, we talk about this a lot. Like starting as much as starting is about like hierarchies and egos and, you know, outward appearances, all that sort of stuff. What it really matters for is floor combinations. Like, mm-hmm. and you get more optionality with those floor combinations beyond the fact that you and I would both agree they are better. Uh, right, the more, more good players. Right. right. You get more optionality. If you play AD at the five, and that gives Frank Vogel more to work with, it's it's interesting. Like Wayne Ellington has always made sense as a theoretical starting two, when, assuming when they signed him. And when, this is again, granted, the assumption was that they would have a traditional starting center, Marcus All at the time in the lineup. I thought actually he was my initial pick as the starting two. I mean, and so like I, I, I've been at least you know open to the idea for a while. And then it's sort of, we've, we've talked more about Baysmore as an option because of defense and this and that, but Ellington makes sense as a starting too. Well, he definitely makes sense as long as you think you have enough defense out there to offset the fact that he is a pretty weak defender. I mean, he's experienced and he's smart and he'll be in the right places, all that stuff. But the reality is he is a below average defender and has been even in his prime, much less where he is now. But if you are able to put more defenders out there, particularly wing defenders out there that give you more options in terms of how you go about offsetting that, it can certainly work more. You know, tr- 
Trevor is an interesting. That's probably Trevor with Ellington is probably not a coincidence. If yeah, if I mean it's if that's it's, the lineup combination you're thinking of. Yeah, I mean it's interesting just in the sense that you know, granted, his time in Miami was very you know both small sample size theater and also very specific context in that he had been away from the game for a while. So all of that has to be taken into account when you evaluate how he looked last year. I thought he looked on balance too slow to be, you know, a little bit too old to be regularly guarding threes. But then when you think about this, though, maybe that alignment, you start having a lot of cross assignments where LeBron might be, you know, a four offensively, but a three defensively. And we got the report that LeBron has, to put it in Palinka terms, slimmed up. Yeah, and I think honestly, the and LeBron's whatever you want him to be. It's right. He it is whatever he needs to be, whatever he wants to be. There's a lot of switch switch around, and then like you know, Trevor Reza doesn't have a position offensively other than go stand in the corner. I don't mean that in a in a punitive way. I mean literally, go stand in the corner so we can throw you the ball and you'll hit it. You know, take a corner three. That is his only function. Um, you know, as an offensive player at this point, and so. You know, LeBron is going to be LeBron on offense, and Ariza is going to do that on offense. And I think they can figure out the defense. But you protect; he is age notwithstanding, Ariza, the 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 best front court defender that they signed. I mean, the the other one being, I guess, Carmelo Anthony. I mean, it's not really no, he's definitely better. And so, you know, if you're going to start. Ellington, or if there's an an idea that you would start Ellington, then it makes sense to start Ariza, and then you can kind of play around with those combinations. I wouldn't. Trevor played 28 minutes a night in Miami last year. I would be shocked if he played that much here, but you know that's okay. You can move him out, and then you know maybe you then you put in Baysmore, and maybe he's next to Tht or Malik Monk or whatever. Like figuring this out is going to be none. Kendrick Nunn next to Russell Westbrook is certainly something that I, I would be shocked if we didn't see that over the course of the year. Um, how likely do you think it is that THT plays his way into a starting role? Because that's another thing that has a profound impact on everything else that comes after. Because that, you know, if he's a starter, now you really are talking, you know, 25-ish, maybe more minutes a night for for him. I mean, there are so many unknowns in trying. I mean, I think he's going to play about that many minutes regardless, but th- there are so many different unknowns with THC to try to figure that out. Like, A, has he improved enough as a shooter and or a defender where you can put him out there more with these high leverage assignments, potentially high leverage moments? Also, too, you have to think about, does the second unit have enough ball handling and enough playmaking if he's actually with the starting unit? Like, THT may ultimately play off the bench, even if you could look at it and say objectively he is outplaying a couple guys starting ahead of him. Just again, we get back to this floor combinations, floor combinations and timing, and yeah, it's and and a lot of this depends too on how they eventually handle the staggering of Westbrook, Davis, and LeBron, because I would expect one of the three of those guys is going to be on the floor almost all the time. Often two, and then you know you you can divide up LeBron minutes and Westbrook minutes as a primary ball handler, but there will be some minutes where it's just Davis, and then who's the who are the ball handlers then? Um, I I think though, I think at this point, like they wouldn't sources wouldn't be talking quite this definitively a day before training camp if this wasn't something that was probably going to happen. Got to see it, baby. 
Gotta <laughs> see it. All right. Um, more interesting stuff from this feature at The Athletic. Really, again, great in-depth reporting from Sham Sharania and Sam Amick and Lakers beat reporter Bill Oram about everything that happened this summer, including the machinations of LeBron James as a shadow GM. We'll talk about that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by rockauto.com with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out there. It is impossible to stock all the parts you would need in a traditional chain storefront. And why would, you, why would you spend, though, 30%? 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts Is at a chain rich? store or new car dealership <laughs> anyway, you, you rube, you yokel, you mark. Like, why would you do that? You can get it for way less at rockauto.com. For example, Honda Odyssey fuel pump, $353 from a chain store. It's only $216 from rockauto.com. We've been doing this for so long, I still have not bothered to learn what a fuel pump is. RockAuto.com, they are a family business. They are serving auto park customers online for 20 years. I just know that it's a great deal at RockAuto.com. You know what it does, Andy? What? Pumps fuel. Moves, <laughs> moves that fuel right along. Pumps Maybe it Maybe it really is that simple. A few yep. easy clicks. It's all delivered directly to your door. So go to RockAuto.com, see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in the How Did You Hear Us box. So how did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Uh, LeBron James, over the course of his career, Andy, has really had to fight the perception. And this goes back to Cleveland, certainly in Miami, like he, that he is the general manager of every team he plays for. He doesn't like it. He doesn't want the. He doesn't want that kind of responsibility. No player wants to be seen as the person in charge of everything, um, well, even if they are. Well, they don't want to see in charge of everything if it doesn't go well. <laughs> if it right, goes correct. great, they actually want to see him in charge right. of everything. They, they, then, they, then they don't mind. But like it's you know that that's not they, they don't want to be seen as usurping the authority above them, you know, making the decisions that people might not like, forcing people in, yeah. Yeah, people unless out, it goes really stuff. well. Um, so, but if if the goal for LeBron is to uh, not have people think that he is in charge of personnel moves for the Lakers, this feature probably didn't didn't help. Um, Move over, Linda Rambus. There's a new shadow GM in town. <laughs> That's right. Um, you know, beyond you know Carmelo Anthony's comments, which we didn't even get that deep into on the on the show, um, you know, that he made on his book tour, where he noted that the GM ain't hit me yet in terms of um, you know interest in coming to the Lakers. He was not talking about Rob Palenka. <laughs> he was talking about LeBron. Um, you know, LeBron was in there coordinating the meetings with uh, with Westbrook, bringing guys in. Um, all these other things like I, you know, I, I saw a great meme going around yesterday, LeBron during summertime. It was that Batman animated Batman thing where he's in front of all the screens, like monitor, <laughs> monitoring everything. But like, like that was him. Well, and, I loved, I loved with Mello because like Mello knows LeBron as well as anybody in the league, maybe better. And he knows the work LeBron has done over the years with this Kabuki theater of right. I'm not in charge of things. And you know, he knows that we all know the score. And he basically was Danny Glover in Lethal Weapon. He's like, I'm too old for this shit. I'm 37 years old. I'm not playing these silly games. And look, and it, what's what I thought was interesting about it, too, is that not only was there this, you know, heavy coordination where LeBron is not just looking at like, can we bring Russ? What about DeMar DeRozan? What about Damian Lillard? And all these. And we'd heard some of these names. Eric Pincus reported uh, earlier this summer that the Lakers, you know, kind of saw Westbrook as a plan B after stars like Lillard. Um, that DeMar DeRozan was a real option for the Lakers if they could figure out how to make the money work and all that. And they couldn't in a trade and all that. Um, but like LeBron is at the core of all of this and having these meetings. And 
one of the reasons that uh, apparently the DeRozan stuff didn't might not have worked, um, and there, I, I, it's hard to tell in the in the story how far that really went. Like realistic, like the Buddy Heald thing was done. Whereas DeRozan, it seemed like there were a lot of steps left, um, but that there's almost like parallel tracks running here, and the Lakers to the players track. Lots of communication. Do you like Malik Monk? Do you like Wayne Ellington? Do you like it? But what these players do, and it's not just LeBron, it's all of these guys, but LeBron for sure, what they're doing may or may not actually be relayed back and fully approved and all these other things by uh, by the actual team front office. And so, you know, like LeBron was at the core of all of this stuff that happened with Russ this offseason, um, which isn't surprising. But it's it's it was still a sort of fascinating account to see it written out that way. Yeah, I mean, what what I think ultimately matters most because, like you said, you know, all star players play a role in this, and we've seen, you know, over the last five ten years, a lot of players not just force their way to different situations, but force their way to different situations with the teammates that they want. You know, be the guys, if not totally in charge of these different machinations, certainly having a pretty heavy hand in it all. The mm-hmm. biggest concern I would have with this situation with LeBron is just how good is he at making these evaluations? Because like whether this is exactly how Rob Palenka would I prefer think, it. Uh, but I think I know where you're going with this too. Like, like, you know, look, whether it's how Palenka would prefer it, whether it makes him, you know, feel undercut, you know, at the end of the day, this is the way the league works right now and Palinka still has plenty on his plate and plenty of stuff he has to oh, and, do. And you know, if you're going to be in the star, like you said, if you're in the star player business, this is part of that deal. Right. But what really matters then is if LeBron is going to have this heavy of, uh, of an influence and a voice in this process and, you know, maybe in certain cases be able to say, I want Russell Westbrook so call Sacramento, tell them the deal is off because between me and Russ, we've managed to get this thing going. Um, you're going to trade for Russell Westbrook. What really matters is, is LeBron good at right. evaluating this stuff? And if I LeBron that, is more often right than not, then ultimately it doesn't like, really like Kobe matter. Kobe was a bad GM. Yes. Le, you know, Kobe, was not, that was not his jam. But like LeBron seems to be, and the other thing is too, I, I'm not. I don't. I don't want this to be like either that the story implied this, or that I think reality. You know, is that you know the Lakers didn't want Russell Westbrook. The Lakers weren't interested in that, and LeBron made them do it. I don't. That's not the reporting here. The Lakers, I think, are always interested in big swings to stars and all these other things. Like if Palinka and Genie Bus and did not like the idea, thought it was terrible, put the like. I don't think Westbrook would be on the Lakers, but the bigger point is I'd like to think not. If nothing right, else. I think there, I think I think there's alignment between what the Lakers ultimately would try to do always, which is go get the starriest player they can find. Um, and between what LeBron wanted, which was the most help he could get with a guy that he trusts. And that guy is much more likely to be Russell Westbrook than Buddy Heald. Yes. I think at this point we all kind of know what the score is the accounting of how this happened though and the 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 time that lebron is taking not just with westbrook though and kicking the tires on all kinds of players like the level of communication that's going yeah. on with these guys in the offseason is staggering yeah i would say the other thing just that's always important is just you know how are you doing this and when are you doing this you know the 
the period where this was all happening before the 2019 trade deadline and like Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, all these guys are just publicly twisting in the wind while LeBron very clearly wanted uh, Anthony Davis instead of all of those guys, that was a distraction and something that even a guy like Rajon Rondo found difficult to deal with, much less you know the kids who are actually a prime part of the trade. Doing this in the offseason, though, like... When it's you don't have to, to you don't have to worry about Kyle Kuzma's feelings at that point. You know what I mean? No. Or or KCP's no. feelings. Like this this is the right time to be, you know, swinging your manhood so to speak. As they say. Um more interesting stuff from this. Russell that I think will if you're if you're a person who is a little bit on the fence on how Westbrook is going to fit in both on the court but particularly kind of culturally with the Lakers. Um, as a an a, an all star who is clearly behind these other guys in 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 terms of where he is in the league right now, um, a lot of stuff in the story that I think will make you feel better. We'll talk about that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Sleeper. In 2018, fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball it was broken and games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made absolutely no sense. It required no strategy whatsoever. So in 2020, Sleeper created a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. And Game Pick owners pick a single game each week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. So there's no more losing sleep because your opponent's players had more scheduled games to play in that week. No more giving up halfway through the season because my God, this is so much damn busy work to account for. And it's like, you got a life, you've got other Mm -hmm. things to deal with than your fantasy lineup every single day. But in game picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on player matchups, home versus away, opponent's defensive ranking, pace of play, yada, yada, yada. They offer redraft. They offer keeper dynasty. So if if you prefer building out a weekly strategy instead of daily busy work, even though you love fantasy basketball, you are going to love game picks. So download the sleeper app, start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. Andy, the NFL is back and it's better than ever. What a week three we had. We got a week four coming. That's gonna be like these Sunday and Monday night games have been just bonkers. It's so much fun. Um, all eyes on the gridiron as teams really get deep into the football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface and even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. Uh, from football, basketball, boxing, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Want to remind everybody too, as you hopefully uh, you know join us every day on the Locked On Lakers podcast Monday through Friday. Make sure you sign up and uh, subscribe to Locked On Lakers on YouTube. Because that's where, like, when news breaks, when there's something that you know, like between podcasts, stuff that happens, that's where all that's going to end up. And, you know, we will put up something on the Locked On Lakers YouTube channel. You get the all the analysis and stuff like that right away. You don't have to wait for the next day's podcast. So again, Locked On Lakers on YouTube. Plus, you get to see us, and we are hot. right, and we we are really good looking. We are I mean, very handsome people. Um. So one of the things that 
when you react to a trade for Russell Westbrook that you're reacting to is the fact that he makes $738 million a year, um, $44 million or whatever it is. The Lakers will be paying him a lot of money over the next few years. And the contract is not considered a good one, uh, in air quotes. That doesn't mean, though, that Washington was dying to get off that deal. Now, I'm not saying they aren't happy that they are. I think ultimately, given where they are in the Eastern Conference and all that kind of stuff, they feel like long-term they're better off now than they were before they made the trade. But they weren't. They didn't dislike Russell Westbrook. They, they weren't unhappy with having him on the team. It wasn't a toxic asset that they had to somehow get rid of to keep their team from falling apart. They liked that guy there, and the people in the locker room liked Russell Westbrook. And from a culture standpoint, he was a positive force in Washington. And there's no reason to believe that had he not gone to them and said, I want to be traded to the Lakers, that he wouldn't still be there. And that is an important factor, I think, for Lakers fans to understand in terms of figuring out, well, it's too many people. It's too many egos. No, culturally, he's going to be just fine here. Well, I I also think, I mean, it's important to remember just because the perception of Russell Westbrook has changed so much since he left Oklahoma City. Like, remember, he was originally the guy who stayed. And, you know, there there were even Nike marketing campaigns about Russ being the guy who stayed in OKC after Kevin Durant left. And since he was the guy that stayed, he's become, frankly, a journeyman. He's been he's now on his third team in three years. When you take into account the fact that Russ is not easy to fit with, you know, star players, easy to fit on your team. He is a really, really great player and there are ways to make it work. But Russ is not LeBron. Russ is not KD. He's not Steph. He's not somebody that it's pretty easy to figure out how they slide into whatever situation between that, his age, some of the injuries, and the contract, there is this perception that teams, I think, just can't wait to get rid of Russell Westbrook the moment they have this opportunity, especially when you also take into account that he's been traded a couple times for what have been considered at the time bad contracts. You know, he yes. swapped for John Wall. He swapped for uh, Chris Paul, which my problem, it's hard to remember now, Chris Paul was a problem. My problem for your problem. Right, exactly. And- you know, you you said before, Brian, that you that you thought maybe the Wizards are okay with this moving forward because they they feel like they've gained flexibility, like you know they're they're you know happy with in that sense. That that might be, but it really did sound like, according to this reporting, and you know certainly everything we heard leading up to the trade, which that Beal and Westbrook were getting along really well, like it doesn't necessarily feel like the Wizards, you know. They might actually be unhappy about it in certain respects. I, like they may, maybe. they may have I actually. So. I don't know. I mean, the fact that I, it I took just think, a I think, lot, I think this is one of those situations where two the fact, things can be. Let true me finish. The, just the fact that it took a apparently, according to this reporting, a lot of persuasion from Russell Westbrook and ultimately Bradley Beal signing off on it on behalf of Westbrook for the Wizards to finally sign off on this. They were really reluctant to do it. I have a hard time believing they're that happy about it. You know, I mean, they might be at peace with it, but it sounds to me like all things being equal, they coveted Westbrook's talent more than the flexibility. Hey, look, I think the 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 larger point here, whether you know, one of us, right? You know, and, and there's probably a little bit of column A and a little. They're, they're going to miss Russ, and I think they'll you know long term maybe able to build better in this way. But what he brings to this team 
in terms of that kind of leadership, the fact that he makes that they're a low end playoff team in the Western, in the Eastern conference, you know, he's aging and makes $45 million a year. The fact that the answer isn't obviously they'd love to get off mm-hmm. of that deal more than it. that says what Westbrook can bring to this team in terms of leadership, in terms of drive, in terms of the, you know, the give a bleep factor that goes like, say whatever you want about Russell. Nobody in the NBA plays harder or with more intensity and more passion than Westbrook. Certainly no star level player. does, no, And it doesn't, I'm not and I'm saying there aren't guys who write up there with him. Nobody plays with more. And so when you get into January, February in tough games and you know, it, it is a grind and all this, like his voice and his energy and his style and all that is going to make an impact. And we talked about it for Monday's show between him, that, that uh, engine to use that word. it's the best one I could come up with. And LeBron's vocal leadership and all this other stuff. AD's just got to play. And like those, all of that stuff is going to be critically important for the Lakers this year. They are going to win games in the middle of the season based on Westbrook's energy that they might otherwise lose um, if, were he still in Washington. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, have one hundred. I, I my I think it's I, it's almost like Trez on steroids. Like I think this is a great regular season trade. Yeah, my I, concern I, is strictly for what happens in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I ultimately feel like if they figure out the regular season, they're going to figure out the playoffs. You, you but, could be right. You could be but, absolutely but right. But either way, though, there is I, my biggest takeaway from this report was actually the stuff about Russ and Washington and why Laker fans, as much as there are still questions about the fit and how to make it all work, there is a lot in that report in The Athletic that should make Laker fans, I, fe- I think, feel very comforted heading into this season. Last thing before we go here, um, and we'll be back tomorrow with reaction to all the stuff from Media Day and throughout the week as the Lakers really kick off their 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 season. They're going to play in a preseason game in like five days or something. It's insane. Um, Frank Vogel, the reported in this story at the Athletic, did just get the one year, so um, not a long extension for Frank Vogel. <laughs> Barely does, an extension. It's a very mini extension. He does, you know, he's not a lame duck this year, but we're going to have. The very least, Andy, we're going to be set up for this conversation again next offseason. Yeah, it's it's a little weird. I'm not I'm not going to lie. I mean, it could just be keeping your options fluid, like depending on what the team looks like after LeBron and Russ's contracts are up, also in 2023. I mean, right, that's they, it. It lines up with that. They could be, I suppose, the Lakers looking at this coming season as like a real revelatory opportunity with Vogel, like to to really see what they have in him both in a true defensive mind because on paper this team has taken a step backwards defensively. So it's like, okay, how good is your system? How good are you are communi- at communicating? I, love, I mean, Polenka made want. it clear last week. They are they believe that Vogel can sure. fix a lot of the, the right. potential problems. Still got to see it happen, though. And then yeah. also, too, it's a revelatory opportunity. And all right, you've never been given in your time here this many offensive weapons with this much spacing. So let's see what you can do offensively as well, because the offense has certainly lagged behind the defense. Different team, different yeah. setup. Before we commit long-term, if this is what we're going to be for the next yeah. three or four years, we want to see what you look like coaching. It's it's not That's certainly reasonable, but it, it does open up. This, yeah. It just means we're going to have this conversation again next summer. Well, um, we, we need off-season topics, so I guess in that sense. It's no, good. I'm excited. And look, if they win... 
then it'll take care of itself. Um, and I think that's probably the bet that Vogel, I'm sure Vogel would have preferred two or three more years on that extension. But I'm sure he, I suspect, and we can ask him about this um, uh, on media day, and I'm sure he will get asked over the course of the year about his extension, not that he will answer, but he'll, you know. No, he, he won't. He is a guy who will bet on himself and the bet on the ability to succeed. And so, um, but anyway, it's another interesting piece that, uh, of reporting that came out of this story, which everybody should read. Reminder again, Locked on Lakers on YouTube. Uh, and we will see everybody tomorrow.